Warning, the following episode of Childhood Trauma Theater may not be suitable for younger listeners. It may contain inappropriate topics, horrifying visuals, and nightmare-inducing memories. Listener discretion is advised. Well, hello, scary tale friends. Welcome to the podcast that's guaranteed to lift your spirits. So sit back, relax, and get ready to trick or treat yourself. It's Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. <laughs> hello, friends. Hello, fairy tale friends. I, I feel like I should have come in with more of a ooh. <laughs> welcome to Spooky Season, and welcome to another episode of Childhood Trauma Theater here on Tara and Ryan's Princess yes, Diaries. Yes, even though we are taking a break through the new year. You we know can't we take had... a break during Halloween, exactly. baby. Exactly. <laughs> Halloween is our favorite. We went on some Halloween dates uh, back in September to see all the good decorations that were out in Home Depot and Lowe's and pretty much everywhere. Let me point out that when Tara wants to do something that doesn't have like a real point or exact like like go do chores or whatever she refers to it as a date (laughs) if it's like hey i don't need you to come with me i want you to come with me and there's no point this it's very adorable spend time with you yeah and and so when we say dates it was we're going to go to home depot and we're going to look at all the like yeah audio animatronic stuff that was the date was just driving around (laughs) to spirit halloweens and all these different things and uh it was delightful and we are some of these dates will take place in between chores it'll be chore and then hey let's go have a date and then do the chore Mm -hmm. it's a nice reward uh also uh, i think we shared on the last episode we are planning uh, a big cross-country move i don't know maybe we haven't but because of that uh our house is on the market and we cannot decorate to the the extent that we normally do for Halloween. So going and looking at all those decorations, I am kind of just like getting excited to see them. And now every our neighborhood decorates pretty heavily for the holiday. And so it's fun to see everyone starting to decorate, but I am getting, what is it, FOMO or whatever? Mm-hmm. I'm getting a little bit of that because I really want to decorate. I, we have like three autumnal things that are... Uh, and like a wreath out on our door. There's a, a ceramic pumpkin. There's a there's the candle has a witch, so that's full on Halloween. That's yeah, like this yeah. And then we have a the cauldron we got. Yes, that and that's kind of pushed to the side, so I don't even know that people are seeing right, that. It's fine. But um, it's a, a smaller cauldron uh from Target that you can real um, real heat quick up. real quick yeah real quick shout out to these. If you go to Target, they have a, a, a cauldron that's great for Halloween, but it's also microwave. It claims to be microwave safe and dishwasher safe. Yeah, so you could actually like make soup or something. You in do it. Which you is put anything really in it exciting. and they clean it really easily. It's great. Whatever you want to do. So we had to buy that. So yeah, we've <laughs> limited ourselves to not buying things this year. I wanted to get two skeletons to put on the front porch uh, just the week of Halloween, and um, that was vetoed uh, as it probably should be because we are moving. <laughs> So yeah, all that to say, we love spooky season, so we were not going to leave you high and dry with no new spooky season episodes on this podcast. And, you know, so we're here with uh, a movie that, to me, and we'll go into a little bit, kind of embodies a lot of what I like about uh, spooky season. Tara, what movie is that? It is the one and only 
Beetlejuice. Okay, that's Beetlejuice. one for you. No, no. Beetlejuice. I can't believe <laughs> I had a whole thing planned. Did you? Where we were going to try and say it as little as possible, and you just came out and just invoked, <laughs> just with with complete abandon, just invoked the, 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 the antagonist of this movie. I am afraid of no ghosts. Um, I guess, yeah, he is a ghost. He's a ghost with the most, baby. That's right. That's right. Uh, so w- why this one? Because I will say this is kind of feels the furthest from what we do. And we'll go into why I chose it for childhood trauma. I say I because I tend to do the schedule. Um, but I think this movie is the perfect like Venn diagram of spooky, scary, mm-hmm. creepy, and fun. Like, yeah, if I could throw a dart at a movie and go, this is what my this is the sweet spot of everything I love about Halloween. It's Beetlejuice every time. And it's nostalgia, which is how it fits into our podcast series and childhood trauma as well, because there are some scenes in this that are pretty intense. So I feel like it does tick all the boxes for that as well. Uh, Yes. Is it a movie we watch every year? Absolutely. Is it one that (laughs) together we've probably seen at least 15 times probably together? Wouldn't you say? Yes. However, watching it this time, there were definitely scenes where we went, I never noticed that. I've never noticed that. There were like two or three things we noticed. And I've got that in my notes here, uh, which is exciting. And to me, that's a testament to a great movie from like nostalgia movies when we do this movies that have really good attention to detail and I feel like Muppets Christmas Carol we notice new stuff all the time Mm -hmm, too like mm -hmm. there are certain movies that even though there are favorites Home Alone's another one that I feel like we pick up we Mm -hmm. pick up things when there's a lot of good attention to detail you can enjoy it all over again in a different way Hocus Pocus is another one you know they're all ones that are in our yearly watch list and I feel like we still pick up on new things so let's jump into this one for a bit. The, the first thing I want to say and the reason I, you know, I will say this is a movie where I'm like, how can I get it on the podcast? And I will say the number one reason I went with Childhood Trauma Theater, it's rated PG. Yeah, it came out in 1988, which is probably why it was rated PG, right? No. no oh. PG-13 existed? existed in like 84 with like oh, interesting. the movies that were like, hey, we should have a PG-13 rating were Temple of Doom. Oh. Uh, Gremlins, like Temple of Doom, is one that, like, by that metric, I feel like should be in our childhood trauma theater. But I almost wouldn't because it's a little worse than this. But like, this is is like, if I was a kid and I watched, well, let me let me back up and give you my history of this movie because I'm older than you. By so a my couple years. my question to you is: Do you are you old enough to remember like? this movie coming out or like a time before Beetlejuice or is this one of those movies that has just always existed kind of to you? That would be the latter. It's always existed. I've always known about it. I feel like I watched it when I was young. I feel like I watched it as a kid. I don't know. I can't recall the first time I saw it, whether it was with family or without family, but it's a movie that has always been in my universe. So one of the problems with this movie and another reason I think we put it in childhood trauma, it had such a merchandise push for children. Mm, interesting. It had, they had a whole um, action figure set that was like eight different types of Beetlejuice and then like Adam Maitland with a baseball hat for some reason. Yeah. And then the guy who has the shrunken head, only he had his I'm old head and you could take these. off the head. Yeah, now that you're describing them. 
and it I was, don't think I had them, but a, a friend or or saw them in the store. Like they're sounding very familiar as you're describing them. And it was advertised a lot on Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon, I don't think had anything to do. Maybe Paramount. Paramount's like Nickelodeon. I don't. I don't know. We should. We, this is something we probably should have really dove into. But I remember specifically Nickelodeon. Like they had a show that I watched that my mom didn't catch me watching because my mom was very against me seeing this movie. I was in first grade at the time. There were a bunch of bunch of my friends who I remember were were the kids who watched stuff that more objectively our age shouldn't have watched. Like they'd seen, I don't know, like Nightmare Before uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. They'd they'd seen a few I don't know if they were that bad, but it was like they were like, oh, we, we're going to love to see Beetlejuice. They were really excited to see it. Halloween that year, I think one of them dressed up as a, it, but Beetlejuice was this character who was extremely rude, disgusting. And so as you can expect, uh, my mother was like, absolutely not. You will not see this movie. Yeah. But it was advertised all the time. It looks so weird and creative and odd, which it is, which the movie absolutely is. But it was just like, I was like, this looks great. And then I saw a Nickelodeon like making of where it showed like how they did the guy who's flat who mm. got run over and is doing yeah. all that. And they're doing all that. I'm like, oh, these are like interesting. You know, I loved how things were made. And then they showed the scene just real quickly as if it was a problem where Gina Davis tears off her face. Oh, yes. Yeah. And so I'm seven. Mm hmm. So I go flying out of the family room. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you can kind of imagine this because you've been to my childhood. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I go flying. I'm like, Wah! and I think that was like mom seeing the deal of like you cannot see Beetlejuice. I think I stopped asking to see Beetlejuice because yeah. I was like, this is a scary movie, and I didn't see it for a long time. But that's like my very early memory of that movie. That's interesting. And I remember when I watched it the first time, I was very anxious. Like even yeah. as older, I'm like, oh, there's gonna be some jump scare, blah blah blah, and. While it's not jump scary, and I don't think any adult watching this, you would go, oh, this is a scary movie. You do watch it and you go, this is dark. Like, (laughs) there's some dark humor. It is dark. dark And we should mention here at the top uh, for a content warning, there is a lot of self-harm. Jokes. Jokes throughout the film. Um, And so we just wanted to say that at the top. I mean, we this one feels like if you're a listener of this podcast, this is probably in your universe, but we just want to put that out yeah. there. I, I, I'm assuming if you're listening, you've probably seen the movie or you're going to watch it afterwards. And if that's something that bothers you, absolutely. Now, not to spoil the end of this episode for me, but like, don't worry. Don't be going, oh, I wonder if they're going to recommend this movie to show to your kids, even though that little trigger warning. There's 8 million reasons why I don't think you should show this to your kids. And so they're like... 10 or 11 like yeah, double digits I, would thing, be my call the thing is is i don't ever remember being scared by it but i'm you sure i was grew up in jersey you i feel like were a tougher <laughs> kid than me i That's will put prob- that yeah that i was be a true, delicate little remember. milk boy <laughs> in a fancy lad outfit licking a giant lollipop going mother can we please don't show me the scary movies mother uh yeah but i never remembered being like frightened by this film i always i always like embraced it i feel like so much so that as adults we have dressed as the Maitlands so Mm -hmm. we'll put that up on uh the Facebook uh so you can see a picture of us as the Maitlands uh it was a couple years ago now what maybe five or six years ago some oh less than that I think it was during the pandemic no it wasn't it wasn't was it before I don't think so it doesn't matter it doesn't matter Uh, at all nope um Uh, but well yeah we'll put that up because it's a fun one the first 
chance we get, I will say we will dress up as Beetlejuice and Lydia and her in the wedding outfits. Yes, like, and we've also that's talked more about committed to than the Maitlands. We've everything. also talked about uh, in this watch through. It would also be fun to dress as Delia and Otho. I think would be a fun couple to do. Can we jump into that? Speaking of things that we notice this time, is one of the facts you have is that this one for. It won an Oscar for best makeup. Best yes. makeup, which absolutely deserved. But mm-hmm. we started going like this deserves some costuming as well. Yeah, and it may have been nominated. I I'll be honest. I I just looked at what it mm-hmm. won. It mm-hmm. was nominated for several things. So I have a feeling it may have been nominated for that as well. I'd have to go back and look it up. Uh, but it yeah, we were just talking too with the makeup. Also, just the everyday makeup on the women also just looked really good. Like Gina Davis's like everyday makeup. I mean, looked really good. And Catherine O'Hare's, you know, she does the red lipstick, but in another shot, it's like a lighter pink lipstick and it's, it's very like subtle. Or when she's, and I guess this is hair and makeup. It, it, it's when she's, it's, it's the dinner and she's got the sideburns that are like on one, it's like two strands that are kind of. It almost looks like yarn the way it's. They're, they're like staple, not staple, but stuck to her face. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the other thing it's one. Um, I will also say for a Tim Burton movie, knowing that what we now know about Tim Burton's uh, whole vibe, like the fact that uh, Gina Davis and why can't I remember her name? The mom. Catherine O'Hare. Catherine O'Hare. I couldn't, figure, couldn't remember Catherine. Uh, Catherine O'Hare uh, just looked like two very beautiful, normal women, whereas I feel like Tim Burton likes to really over-exaggerate makeup and even his like non-strange characters in his movies like they're very pale yeah well and there are shots where they are paler yeah yeah, different in different scenes and whatever but i don't know if you want to do just a quick little brief synopsis summary plot at all I would love to see you try to encapsulate this weirdo movie in a few sentences. Well, that's the thing. I don't know that you can, but a lot of times with childhood trauma, we don't go point for point with the plot. So we usually try to do a couple sentences. I guess you could look up a synopsis. Yeah, I was about to see. So if you listen to uh, my other podcast, Craniacs, uh, a Fraser podcast, we we make fun of usually the IMDb or the... um, uh, Hulu synopsis because sometimes it can be very like quick and short and that those are my favorite. So here is this one which is one sentence mm-hmm. which is actually pretty good. Okay. The spirits of a deceased couple are harassed by an unbearable family that has moved into their home and hire a malicious spirit to drive them out. That actually is pretty, pretty good. Solid. That's a pretty good way to not get sidetracked into all of the other like wildness of this movie to just give you like the main bullet point. And I will say that so apparently one of the reasons this did well was because of Poltergeist or this came out because of Poltergeist and they went, what if it's an opposite movie? Mm. If it's not a family moves in and tries to get rid of the ghost, it's a family moves in and the ghosts try to get rid yeah, of Yeah, I do like that. So that feels like a really good version of the elevator pitch for this movie and maybe more of a example of my in- inability to do elevator pitches because I look at this movie and I'm like, how do you sell this to anyone? Because it's yeah. so... It's, I mean, on, on the surface, if you start with that and you build up from there, it works really well. But like, to me, looking at the whole product and going, Tim Burton going, coming in and going, hello, I'd like to make a movie where uh, Michael Keaton is com- is the main character. Also, he's only on screen for 14.5 minutes. 14.5 minutes. Yeah, we looked that up, uh, also, which is shocking because it does feel like he's in the movie way more than that. 
Yeah, well, he's his a, presence he, is very large. He well, even when he's on screen, he's so magnetic. Mm-hmm. This character, this is his favorite character, or this is his favorite movie he's done. I've also read that this. He said this is the only sequel he would ever like entertain the idea. We'll yeah. talk. I have a just a, a handful of facts about the sequel that will be coming out. Uh, but yeah, I read somewhere that this is one that he said yes, I would do a sequel to this. But this comes out of they asked Tim Burton to. Well, Tim Burton gets a bunch of movies after Pee-wee's big adventure and he starts writing I read somewhere he started writing like his take on Batman and then he read this script and said oh I want to do this next Mm. and and this was based off of a book right this is based off of nothing oh I thought for some reason I thought it was based off a book so you're I said there's the the whole scene with the sandworms is an original script versus it's an original script, but the sandworms comes from the book Dune, okay, or like okay. they're referencing the book Dune. They're also referencing uh, early turn of the century German expressionistic film, all things that were big in the eighties. <laughs> well, we what? also, if you go back to our Nightmare Before Christmas episode, I believe we talk about that. Go more into German yeah. expression. I think we, we do talk in that a bit episode. about it. Uh, because again, it's another Tim Burton and you know his influences. Well, I will say the German expression is so I like I'm going to come at it like I'm an expert. I took a world film class in college, and we did the the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which is well, a, well, well. It's well, it's like <laughs> the premier German expressionist film, and it's a really cool silent horror movie that we might watch oh, okay. for for scary season. But I will say, rewatching it, you watch. Especially when they're in the netherworld or they're on Saturn with the uh, sandworms. Is that what that's supposed to be? It's supposed to be they go to the planet Saturn. Oh, I didn't that. You didn't get that from that? When you saw that- I just thought it was a weird desert. That's what I'm saying. Why do- Like, (laughs) all these details are so weird. And it's like in the- So I've read the original script and that part was in the original script. It's very strange. You know how it looks like those- Like, there's no question you're looking at a set. Like it's it's yeah. cardboard pieces. It's meant mm. to like approximate or like when they're in that hall and they open the door, that's the like room of lost souls. Like mm-hmm. the hallway just kind of like goes into infinity. Yeah. I will watch The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari because I love that movie. But um, you, when you just, I will say, look at the background and I'll post some pictures from it and it looks like a Tim Burton set. Mm. Everything's at a weird angle. It doesn't look real and it looks yeah. especially like this movie. Now- I want to say that because this movie had one of the things he did is he wanted it to look like a B movie. So he set the visual effects budget at a million dollars. Yeah. And so much of this movie is a colored light is on something. Mm, yeah. There's or a, like day day glow. Yeah. Like with the makeup. We yes. were looking at that when they're in. Is it the nether, nether well, world? Is in, that what in, we're calling it? In the cartoon, it's called the neither world. The neither. Oh, that's clever. Okay. And. I love the cartoon and I think the cartoon does some interesting stuff with like the lore quote unquote because this is before a time when they would sit down and go a lore bible but like they they call it the neither world it's I think they call it that in the Broadway play there's a lot of different stuff but we'll call it the neither world I don't think they call it that in the movie but maybe they do in the script yeah but there's some interesting like makeup choices and lighting choices especially Mm -hmm. there for sure uh, so I don't know if you want to go through like I have things we noticed as we watched it or if you want me to do like facts and trivia first and then we can kind of just talk about it in general. I mean, we're starting we're already kind of doing that, but I didn't know 
where you let's want do that. Let's do facts in general. At the end, okay. I want to spend some time talking about things like the cartoon, the Broadway play, blah blah blah. Yeah. Blah, okay. The Universal experience. Okay. Yeah, and then I kind of want to just talk about things we noticed in this watch through. But uh, some trivia: it was set in Connecticut, but it was filmed in East Corinth, Vermont. Uh, is where it was actually filmed. And so the house was a facade. So it was built in a farm field about 100 yards uphill from the bridge. And it was for exterior shots only. And the covered bridge was also built for the film. So that was something that didn't exist on its own. Uh, Michael Keaton had said that Tim Burton described Beetlejuice as having lived in every time period, but no time period. Which I think is a really interesting quote and it really yeah. makes a lot of sense because you do get this vibe that you can't really pinpoint where he's from. Because it seems like he's taking influences from all different time periods, which I find kind of fun. Well, it's interesting because it's all different time periods, but it's also like the last 40 years. It's yeah. not like he's weirdly like... So there's an original script. The original script, Beetlejuice is a flat out a demon. And he's not very funny. He's kind of wry, but he's very scary. And he's this kind of like weird figure. It's also vaguely racist because they refer to him, I think, as a swarthy individual. And oh, it's okay. like, mm, okay. But like, yeah, I think doing Beetlejuice this way where he's like, he's obviously been dead for a very long time. Yeah. But like, he's also making constant like, recent references references to the 50s references to the 70s like when he come appears he's like attention kmart choppers and then he's yeah. like i'm the hottest thing since valentino came over <laughs> like he's yeah. got really like it's he's Michael Keaton is an amazing presence in this movie yes and i read he ad libbed about 90% of his lines i i don't know how I, accurate that is well i don't know if you can measure it an actual percentage. yeah but i think the entire scene where he comes out of the grave and is with Gina Davis and Adam Alec Baldwin because I read that fact too and I watched the whole scene. I don't think that's a written scene. Yeah. There's no point to that scene. Like mm -hmm. it's the point is they have to get him. Like there's a thing where it's like we have to get him and then they go, they decide not to. Like that's yeah, like if you they look decide at like, like there's something not right about him. Yeah. But, but no new information is given to the storyline. Mm -hmm. Like it's just basically them going, Well, this was a poor idea. Yeah. But if you rewatch it, it just looks like they're like, Okay, we have to have a, a they're gonna have a joke where he changes into hitch into into Adam's costume here. Mm -hmm. He's gonna spin his they had like a few jokes, but then everything else just feels like they're just like goofing around to get to those jokes. Yeah, which it must have been fun to film. Like it would be neat to hear interviews and there could be interviews out there. Again, I think we're showing what we haven't done as far as There's, research. Well but we do yeah. have the four K version of it and usually that comes with extras and I will say there's no extras on it. There are on the Blu-ray disc, but not a oh, whole lot. I really? did a little search because I was okay. like, can I get a better one for this? But got it. I did want to point out can we talk for just a minute? Because you and I, every year when we watch it, we talk about the set they're on there. That is the they go into Adam loves model making the first shot in the movie is that overhead of that I always go, is this a, when does this become go from real trees to a model? And this time watching it in 4K, I went, this is always a model. Yeah. This is an amazing model. So then they go into the model. So they have to make large versions of things. Mm -hmm. it's, it's such a weird backwards, like reverse of what miniatures are. Because miniatures are like, we want to make small things, but you think they're real. Yeah. And this is, well, we're going to make large versions of those small things and you're going to absolutely have no question they're real. And they're like digging through cardboard. I love the texture of the grass when it's big. 
Oh, it, it's that big, yeah, just sheet that, that big they foam or whatever. Like, I love that, and that's really cool. But yeah, again, going back to attention to detail, there's so much here. Mm. Uh, something I read about Catherine O'Hara, she met her future husband on this film. I read that too. Uh, the production designer, Bo Welch. And apparently, Tim Burton said that Bo should ask her out towards the end of filming. And Bo uh, said he didn't, it didn't even occur to him that he should be talking to the actors. <laughs> so I don't think it ever occurred to him. So they must have had some sort of chemistry or something along the way. Uh, she said yes. And I believe yeah, they're still married. Yeah, I think they're married. still married. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. All the actors dressed and looked in the condition they died in, but the Maitlands. Well, so, they do it first. Because remember they walk in and they're still wet? Yes, but they're not always wet. Mm -hmm. And that's because Tim Burton thought it would probably be too uncomfortable for the actors for them to constantly be wet. But yes, they do it in the beginning, but everyone else, they never change. Like whenever we see those characters who have died, you know what I mean? When they go back to the waiting room, it's you know it's always that way. So that Catherine was something O'Hara, I found. Catherine O'Hara is still married to Bo welch since 1992 oh, that's great uh a couple things that are kind of facts about in the movie itself in the um office the pa it's when they're seeing their caseworker the pa says that there's a united airlines flight 409 that crashed this happened on October 6, 1955. So yeah. it was a real crash that they were referencing. And um, apparently it was it was pretty bad. No one survived and it crashed into a mountain in Wyoming in right. 1955. So they are like pulling in facts from history in, in that way and things like that. Do you have a flat out fact about the uh, football team? I don't know. Do you? Because that's based. I, I remember it, this could be a. Ron Jenkins BS fact, but I remember yeah. growing up, he kept saying, "Oh, that was a real football team." Mm, and I, I've re- I feel like I've read it before, but it could be wrong. But like, yeah, they used a bunch of like real situations and real stuff scenarios. like that, or like yeah. yeah, stories. There's the one character who's toasted to a crisp, but it's someone who was smoking in bed or whatever. Yeah. Like that's something I remember from the Nickelodeon making of I watch where they were like going through all those characters and talking about how mm. they specifically died. And I was kind of like, Oh yeah. And then, like again, the face coming off is when I went, I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a, a box office success, which created plans for a sequel right away. And Beetlejuice sequ- goes Hawaiian. Yes. <laughs> and the script was commissioned and Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder were signed on. But Tim Burton had lost interest because he went on to direct Batman and Batman Returns. That was his big focus at that point. And so that's why there was no direct sequel. And we can talk about the sequel. I don't know if this is a good place to talk about the sequel if we want to hold that to the end. Well, we can talk about it now, but let me bring up one thing in there because if you listen to Kevin Smith tell the story about when he was commissioned to write Tim Burton's Superman Lives script when when he was going to do a Superman movie with Nicolas Cage. Do you know any of this story? Yes, I do. There there were three scripts they offered him. They're like, "We want you to look at Fletch, like a new Fletch movie." Uh, eventually he did Superman Lives and another one was Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. <laughs> and he was like, what? And that, yeah. He just takes a second when he's telling the story to go like, didn't we say everything we wanted to say with the first Beetlejuice? Mm. Must we go tropical or something yes. like that? Well, apparently not because now there is a sequel for Beetlejuice 2 and I'm kind of here for it, but there's not a lot of details about it out. Uh, so, you know, one of the big details was it was delayed due to uh, the strikes However, 
it seems like they weren't super far in production potentially. Mm. What I read is they have an estimated date of September 6th of 2024 for the movie to come out uh, as a release date. I read that Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder signed on. Um, they're on IMBD, uh, there is a woman who is titled Beetlejuice's Wife. So it looks like he maybe has a wife in this what one. What actress is that? I don't remember. You can look it up really quick okay. on IMBD. I didn't write it down IMDb. because I... Thank you. I always switch the letters. And then Jenna uh, Ortega is. Yes. But then I also saw Catherine O'Hara is listed there. William Defoe and Justin Thoreau. So I'm really interested in. Uh, they were all listed on the on the page. So I feel like William Defoe should play Beetlejuice's father. That would be interesting and kind of amazing. I'm Monica I'm Bellucci as yes, Beetlejuice's that's wife. That's who it is. Monica Bellucci, a. Uh, Italian actress she was a Bond girl at one point yeah so I'm kind of excited that it that those cast members are listed I hope that that is accurate information I also read that the script for the sequel has been worked on since 2012 so Mm -hmm. it's something that's been in the works off and on since 2012 so uh I we're obviously really excited to see like what comes of that because some sequels have been Really great, these reboots that seem to have happened, mm-hmm. you know, in the last, what, five, ten years or more. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see that. Some of them have been, some of them have been not watched by us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it'll be, I think this one will be watched by us because the first one is so beloved by us. But um, as far as, like, when we were watching it, just a few things that, you know, we noticed either this watch through that we hadn't noticed before or things that we really loved about it. But one thing I noticed is... Beetlejuice when he's reading in the newspaper I always just assumed oh yeah he's looking at the obituaries it's welcome it doesn't say obituaries it says <laughs> welcome I don't think I pointed this out to you I wrote it in my notes but it says like welcome and it's the Maitlands and they have like this spooked <laughs> picture of them looking like straight down the barrel of the camera and then there's a couple other pictures of people who are like yeah either. so That's I thought really that funny. was really funny and I really liked that a lot uh, I also love that um, Adam adds their like funeral service to the model. He adds like two little uh, wreaths. wreaths that say their names uh, to the model that he's working on in the attic. Well, doesn't he lament that they can't see it from the, the from any of the windows because he's like he can't get I it can't right, get it right. correct. Yeah, because <laughs> they can't leave the house. Yeah. That we find that out. Uh, the attention to detail too. I love when um, they're trying to scare Delia and she is like passed out on, she's sleeping with Prince Valium tonight. (laughs) It's one of Lydia's lines, Mm -hmm. but she's passed out and they're dressed up in sheets trying to scare her as ghosts. And she wakes up for a hot second and her whole, all of her makeup is smeared. Like it's a really good, just like quick attention to detail of like, oh yeah, she fell asleep kind of, you know, drugged and knocked out. And like, of course her makeup would look like that if Mm -hmm. she popped up from bed for a second. So I love that. Uh, Something we only noticed this watch through, we've never noticed this before. And Ryan, I guess, had read a fact about it right before we saw it. We both caught it at the same time. Delia repurposes Charles' clothes. So she repurposes his clothes and wears them as her own. And one of the biggest examples of this, he wears this very loud red sweater that's got this crazy design on it. Uh, And you see it when he's in um, Adam's office, the one room he doesn't want touched in the house. They can redecorate everything but this L.L. Bean office. And so you see him with this very, like, 
bright it's not like bright red but it's a a red red like crimson red sweater and then a scene or two later she's in the kitchen getting ready for the dinner party and she's wearing it as pants with With suspenders suspenders. it's so good and we like lost it and had to go back and rewind it and see it again it was a really good um attention to detail moment uh also you uh got excited about adam with his photo of bigfoot and how that's different i completely forgot yes she goes, they were talking about how they had photos of her. And she's like, Adam, they, you have a photo of Bigfoot. And he's like, my photo of Bigfoot is different. Yes, yes. Uh, and so then, there you go, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> there's your Bigfoot There's fact. your Bigfoot fact. And then another thing that we noticed at the end uh, is they, you know, they live together. kind of in harmony together here. Uh, and Delia is making a sculpture of Beetlejuice as the snake. I think it's just his head. It's I don't just know. his yeah. head, but and she spooks Charles with it. And then you see a magazine framed up in the bookshelf that says Art of America, Delia Dietz, and it's like sculpture. Images of the afterlife. Images of the afterlife. That's what it is. Yeah, so we found that fun too. Uh, do you have a favorite moment, a favorite scene? Do we want to like maybe... Well, I think, and this is something I noticed this time that's so good about this because... This is a a, a a movie that just in the last, I think, 20 minutes, because it ends pretty quickly. Yeah. But the last, like, 15 to 20 minutes when they start the bio-exorcism, mm-hmm. and it's like, do-do-do-do, it's just that piano. Oh, the music, yeah. The, sh- the movie drives. It is not an action movie, but those last few minutes are so well edited, scored, like everything comes together to be this thing because they don't fight Beetlejuice. It's not like yeah, like they're trying to stop him. But it's if you think about it, it's this weird, quiet little like the scene takes place in one room of this weird house. Yeah, and they're like trying to fight him, and then they get they do all this stuff. And I was telling you how the first time I actually saw something about the movie, it was on TV, and it was from when Adam jumps into the car. That's a little model car. And if you're watching the movie, I want you to think of if you just turned it on at that point and you didn't know this movie and you're watching it, and you're like, what the heck am I watching? Yeah. What is this? This is ridiculous. And that was the first time I saw that that movie. Yeah. But I just, it's so well, I can't get behind just how well paced, edited, lighting, sound, everything makes it feel like this really exciting scene. But then if you think about everything that happens, it's just silly little moments. Yeah. It's not... A Marvel fight scene. It's not anything like that. And I like don't that. think it has to be. I also think the... But because they do the same... But you have the same amount of energy. Yes. Like I was watching, I was like, oh God, they're going to do this. And you have yeah. this huge high energy. But but when you actually think about what they do, it's so low stakes and low... It's not a ton of effects. It's mostly editing. Like the movie doesn't have a lot of effects. It's a lot of cuts that Beetlejuice is... Oh, I said it. Beetlejuice is wearing one thing and then he is wearing another and that's the joke or like they cut back and something has changed and it's all silly yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. I For me, one of the most heart-wrenching, heartbreaking scenes is when Otho does bring them back oh, yeah. uh, into their wedding garments. And that scene, I think, can be scary. I mean, there's a lot of like very spooky, scary scenes in it. Um, but do you have a favorite moment? As a kid, I always loved how it ended with Lydia lip singing, and I always wanted. Oh, I was yeah, like, yeah. I wish I could do that. Uh, that was always one of my favorites. I love 
Michael Keaton's performance when he puts his hand over Lydia's mouth. Oh, yes. And does the like, yes. I'm Lydia Dietz and I'm of sound mind and body. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and she does yeah. like his, his facial expressions it's during that really are so good. good. That's really good. I also, one of my favorite lines is, I myself am strange and unusual. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I'm, of this strange and un- very strange I'm, and unusual. I myself am strange and unusual. Yeah. My whole life is a black room. One big, or one is a dark, dark room. room. One big dark, dark room. room. Um, it's it's just good. Start like there's very little about this movie that I don't like, and it's so good. I want to talk for a minute about like all the stuff that is. This is one movie, but I feel like it's got such a weird, endearing legacy. There was the cartoon. Did you ever watch the cartoon? I did. Yeah, I don't remember it as vividly as you do, but I I did watch it. Yes, I loved it. Apparently, there's a couple episodes on the Blu-ray. There's a whole bit in the movie where they can't remember Beetlejuice's name. He goes, I don't know, Beetlemeyer. And in the cartoon, I think the cartoon really watched the movie. In the cartoon, like Beetlejuice will show up and like try to make money off of Lydia's parents, but he shows up as Mr. Beetlemeyer mm. and he's like got some new thing he's selling. Yeah. And there's all that kind of stuff. Um there was the Broadway musical that just came out that I was very hesitant to look into for a while and then heard a couple songs and went, I really like this and started really looking into it. And it was just this you know, they did a bunch of stuff. They had a bunch of stage magic in their show. There was a bunch of, there, you know, there's parts where people get possessed and they rise up. And it's this whole thing of like, it. it's it's all like the movie where it's just like really simple uh, tricks to get that to work. And mm-hmm. I, I, I really would love to see it. I don't know if we're going to be able to. I think it's on tour now. It's coming to, in, to Austin, but it's like next year, which oh, will yeah, be gone we, by that point. Yeah, we won't be here. Um. You know, it just that all looks good. There was a bunch of stuff at or uh, at uh, Universal. They used to have like the, it was the classic Universal monsters, Frankenstein, Dracula. All of them would do a rock and roll review, and Beetlejuice was like the host. Mm. They used to do a bit where the Ghostbusters would, you know, one of those things where you're just there and the, the Ecto One pulled up and they do a whole show, and then the Ghostbusters are trying to bust Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in 2020 there was supposed to be a uh haunted uh, for Halloween horror nights there was a haunted house that was Beetlejuice I think it happened but like 2020 2020 I think it it was there for a couple of years because you know they weren't making brand new horror ha- haunted houses for horror nights because of the pandemic and everything you know I I I feel like he it it's just this lasting legacy that's happened and I'm sure you, those of you out there have done, have seen something with Beetlejuice, have done something with Beetlejuice. We'd love to see uh, costumes. Yeah, I was just going to say like that. that. Yeah, we'd love share it on the Facebook page. Did you have any of the Beetlejuice toys that you talked about? We'll have to mm-hmm. see if we can pull some pictures for that. Uh, you know, the same with costumes. If you've ever dressed up or if you've ever gone by someone's house, I, I had a friend. Um, I think they lived out in Philly. Uh, they used to decorate with the sandworms. They mm-hmm. like, the, and I think there's an inflatable or something, but they yeah. had handmade uh, cutouts or something of the sandworms. And I love the idea of, for me, I think it would be fun to do a deep cut and it would be fun to do like the model big or something and have like the Beetlejuice gravestone, but then to do like as if you were in the model and make your yeah. front yard the model. Like, I think it would be fun to, to not do 
we always love doing a deep cut sometimes when it comes to costumes or when it comes to decorations. And so that would be kind of a neat thing. But I'd love to see sandworms or any kind of Beetlejuice decor you have. If you have any, we have, um, because we were the Maitlands, we do have the book, the recent, the handbook for the recently deceased. Recently it's diseased. Just, yes. And there's a music cue <laughs> and she goes, deceased. And it's like, bam, bam. Like there's another music yeah. cue. <laughs> um, and it's, it's a blank journal that I think I got on Amazon, but you know, we, you typically that is out on our coffee table every year and you can get like a, that you can get a version of the 4k it's apparently very hard to find because i looked it up on blu-ray.com shout out to all you physical media fans out there <laughs> um but it it looks like the cover of oh that is cool but like it's book. very hard to find because apparently right now it's going for like 200 bucks oh, wow. so it's a big gig. yeah um yeah so i if mean you have it hold on to it what what else can we say i i mean i hope it's pretty obvious to you that we love this movie, but just for a second, because this isn't a podcast about whether or not we love movies. This is a podcast, especially Childhood Trauma Theater, about how traumatizing this is. Number one, would you show this to any kids? My this, answer is no. This is a hard one for me because I have so much nostalgia and love for it that I'm like, yes. Would I show it to like four-year-olds? No. But I think, again, we've talked on this podcast with lots of parents and I think parents you know your kids the best I mean some kids are into like the spooky the unusual the all of these things so I think I think there's uh, I think there's a different age depending on the kid like Mm -hmm. 10 and 11 might feel young to some people but maybe for some kids maybe that's or 11 or 12 maybe that's an okay time you know we don't have children so I can't you know, I can't say we've done this, but we've talked to... But I can and I will. You should not show this to your children. <laughs> I don't um, know. I grew up on it and I turned out fine. Well, here's a question. I think, how much did you watch it, like, actually the show and how much of it was... Like, because I don't think they have... Not to get, like, all, like, shake your fist at the cloud outside like an old man, but not... But it's... Things are streaming. Things are streaming. They're not, like, on TV edited anymore. So did you watch, like, the the full unedited version, or did you I watch, I have no like, idea. A, I, my thing. memory as a kid is so, like, not vivid like yours is. I have vivid memories of specific things, but when it comes to media, a lot of times I don't. Because so, I think if this was on, like, the 31 days of Halloween on, like, Disney I'm, whatever, I think you could absolutely, but there's a few things that I think need to be cut out. I'm sure I probably saw a TV edited version yeah. at one point and then saw the real thing at another point or whatever. But Especially if you got a little fragile young boy like me as a child in there. Well, how many mommy heads would you rate it? Oh, five. Like, it, there's... I, <laughs> See, I was thinking three. I will say it's like there's a few scenes that I'm like, oh, that's really like she's holding his severed head with like I guess that's true. Viscera yeah, that's true. You know, there's a few scenes that are like, holy Moses. And then everything else is just fun and fine. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Maybe I should bump it up to four. But I don't. Yeah, I, I think because the joy I have every time I watch it and the nostalgia, I'm looking at it through rose colored glasses. Do you know what I mean? In well, the sense of how scary it is. Well, like. Saving Private Ryan's a great movie, but I wouldn't be like, you can't show that to kids. You know, that's traumatizing. Yeah, like, that's yeah. what I think it is. In my opinion, Got it's it. a very traumatizing movie because it had such an effect on me as a small age. And I think it, like I said, part of the problem was is they were just with abandon going, oh, yeah, kids can go see this movie. And it was like, yeah. no, they shouldn't. And like, like, you need to have, this is a PG-13 movie. We're advertising as a PG movie because there's a few PG-13 scenes that are like, holy Moses. But 
Yeah, I agree. I think most of the movie is great, but if you can get, I, I don't know, edit your movie. You know, edit your movies for your kids. Do what you want. Raise your kids <laughs> how you want. I'm telling you how I would raise them if I had them. Yeah. If I could go back and like make me maybe ten before I saw anything about Beetlejuice, I would have. Mm. Um, I had this whole bit planned where we were going to try and not say it. We said it so many times. If you're really bored, tell us how many times we summoned Beetlejuice in this. <laughs> go back and count. Um. Anything else you want to say before we, we wrap it up? I don't think so. It's a great movie. Go watch it. Yeah, absolutely. If it's uh, been a while since you've seen it, if you saw it yesterday, go maybe put it on again. It's so good. Yeah. I might watch it again this season. Uh, happy Halloween, uh, 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 Frightful Tale Friends. Scary Tale Friends. That's, there we go. yeah, Scary oh, Tale Friends. Yeah, anyway. Uh, so Happy Halloween. Uh Tell us what you think about Beetlejuice. We will see you next month for Pinocchio Month. Yes, we are going to... Uh, Tara sounds so excited for this this bit. I, I know. It's it's really going to be something. It's but a lot of Pinocchio. We're going to also try our best to stick to the timetable for it because we do have a lot going on, but we're trying to dedicate November to Pinocchio This is month. important. We'll move some stuff back with the move to, to, to put this on the top of our priority. The, the eyebrows. <laughs> Before I, I don't know that we're going to switch some things with the move of yeah. our... Okay. And the selling of our home, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thanks, uh, thanks, scary tell friends, and we'll see you next time. Take care, listeners. Thanks for listening, scary tale friends. Don't forget to send us an email at trprincessdiaries at gmail.com or tweet to us at trpdiaries. Search for Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries on Facebook to join in the fun. Or call our super easy to remember phone number. 707-YO-TRPD-1 That's 707-968-7731 Remember to give us a 5 star I mean star review on iTunes, Spotify Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Creep it real! <laughs>